Steelers, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It is Victory Lane. This week, episode 25, you see by the title, we have Matt Tift on the show, Cup Series regular for Front Row Motorsports. Pretty fun conversation with Matt. He was really gracious with his time, gave me over 20 minutes, and we got into the weeds on some fun stuff, some racing stuff, and everything in between. Plus, Matt Benedetto, I couldn't even say that because I've already had a long day traveling. I'm recording this from my hotel room in St. Louis. Let's try that again. Matt D. Benedetto, that was better, steals the hearts of everybody, while Denny Hamlin steals the win at Bristol. Sam Mayer and Chase Cabry have the best rivalry right now in NASCAR. Don't at me. I also kind of have an introduction now. It's really not anything. I just kind of like this, and I put it in this week's Highlight Hump Day. So, here it is. A reggaeton horn always gets me hyped up. I don't know about you, but... Hey, whatever, whatever works, right? All right, Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race from Bristol Motor Speedway. We'll run it down pretty quick for you. Denny Hamlin wins the race after passing Benedetto with 12 laps to go. Sad reacts. And the first thing he says after climbing out of the car, Rutledge Woods interviewing him on the front stretch, he goes, I am so, so sorry to Matt. Like, that's crazy. I, I, I get that you're sorry, but Matt Benedetto has said it all over media this week. He's like, hey. Don't be sorry. You're trying to win the race. Um, but this win for Denny is actually pretty big. He now has multiple wins at every short track on the Cup Series circuit. That's impressive. An impressive feat and a pretty impressive performance as well from the back to the front on Saturday night. He started on the pole, had a little problem with a pit stop, a tire issue, went to the back, was two laps down, got both of those laps back, and worked his way slowly and methodically back to the front wound up a winner for the fourth time this season uh yeah well i didn't know that but uh i mean it's just this race is special just in general i mean uh you see how many people were in the stands uh, today and tonight and uh, you just saw the atmosphere really when i got here on friday it was just uh it was it was electric i mean you could just tell this this weekend is, is big and um i you know i, I definitely got at least two or three texts from my crew chief saying, you know, this one's really important to me, just so you know. So uh, he encouraged me to not take one lap off, uh, that I have a week off ahead of me and I can rest then. So um, he was he was whipping the horse uh, for the entire week. And so uh, I, I, I knew that uh, I, I definitely can say I did not take a lap off uh, tonight. So. It was uh, great to, to be able to come back, obviously, from two laps down. And obviously, you have multiple wins now at every short track. So, um, you know, it used to be, I would say, early in my career that it was like, you know, uh, I just can't wait to get to the short tracks. But now I just can't wait to get to a racetrack in general. Uh, we can win. It doesn't matter if it's a road course or a short track or a super speedway or anywhere. We just can win every single week. And really, for the last two months, it's just been incredible uh that uh the adjustments we've made as the season's gone on and just keep getting better and let's get his thoughts on matt de benedetto's performance they had a really cool moment post-race too 
as Denny was live, actually, on the NBC post-race show. Matt came up to him, just wanted to give him a fist bump, and Denny stopped what he was doing. They embraced. They shared, you know, 30 or so second conversation there, and you could tell Denny was basically telling him, look, dude, I'm sorry, but, like, you are the man. You deserve this opportunity. You deserve better than what's happening to you right now, as if you live under a rock. Matt Benedetto will not be back with the 95 of Levine Family Racing next year. They announced that this very week that he leads the most laps he's ever led in his career, I believe, and almost wins the race, his best career finish of second. That was insane. So let's hear from Denny about his thoughts on Matt post-race. He talks about it here, but TBT to when Denny actually sponsored him. I uh, I, I know. I, I get it, and I understand, and, and, and there's some special circumstances there for sure. Uh, it is a tough business at, at times, uh, but you know Matt is doing a phenomenal job of, of of showing his resume in front of everyone, and so he doesn't need to type it out. He's going out there and performing, and he will land uh, as good or better on his feet. I'm certain of it um, after this year. So um, I, I'm I'm really encouraged. I mean, I know that two years ago when he came out with a video and said that uh, they didn't have any funding. Uh, my first response was, uh, well, here's 5000 of my money because I, I, be, I, I believe in his talent. I believe he should be on the racetrack. And so that started a firestorm of, of tweets that led to them getting a, you know, someone saw my tweet of this poker company and they sponsored him for six races full time. So um, full sponsor. So it's just there's a lot of people that believe in Matt. And, yes, he's been clawing and clawing these last few years. Um, but you would also argue and say he's he's gotten better and he's gotten better rides year after year. So I would hope that that trend would continue next year. Chris Gabehart is the man who called the shots in Danny Hamlin's career year so far and did it again on Saturday night. Did he have to coach Denny through the field, though, as he was back in the pack? Or was it one of those things where you just let your driver do his thing? That, that's just that's how it works, right? I mean coach's terminology that's that's the middle of the second quarter you know there's still a long way to go it's 500 lap race not a 200 lap race so and we've seen too many times cars cars come up with some issues here and and rebound to have good finishes or even win and while pitting under green and losing two laps and winning is probably not something you see very often at this place um there's just no quit in this 11 team we're we're too good a team with um too much firepower i've been saying it all year long and and he's hitting on all eight right now. So when I got him like that, it doesn't matter if it's still got four wheels on it and they're rolling, we're going to get after it. Team owner Joe Gibbs was asked if he sees a change in Mr. Hamlin this season. And I think that what he says here speaks volumes. I do see that. I think uh, Denny, you know, I think uh, maturing, uh, everything that's going on with him. And he did mention off the track. And I know he's made a real effort in a lot of ways. And so I think he is maturing um, as a person and certainly as a race car driver. I think Chris deserves a lot of credit. I think he's really got Denny grounded. I think, you know, when you get a lot of confidence going with the crew chief, it makes a huge difference. And I think tonight was a good example. Everything in the world happened. And for them to still win the race, I think it was a great effort. And uh, for me personally, it's a huge deal for me when I see J.D. over the door in the winner's circle. Seeing Denny have this kind of year, it just makes me realize, you know, how much we miss him and how much he means to our race team and uh, what he means to Denny, too. 
I said at the top of the show that the Chase Cabry Sam Mayer rivalry is the best in all of NASCAR right now. Don't at me. Well, don't at me right now, but Denny Hamlin is the best driver, period, in NASCAR right now. His results have been unreal. I believe in his last five or six races, got this stat courtesy of Toby Christie with the Final Lap Weekly. His average finish in those races is 2.6. He has four wins this year after having none last year. The dude is on a roll. He's been very, very impressive. Then behind the top two of Hamlin and DiBenedetto, you had Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Clint Boyer, Daniel Suarez, Kurt Busch, and Ryan Blaney. A couple notables, Ryan Newman was 11th, and people (laughs) were getting on him on social media after the race because, well, he did Ryan Newman things, and he held up Matt DiBenedetto in lap traffic, got a tiny bit of damage on the left front quarter panel, and DiBenedetto said, it's so hard to say, DiBenedetto said that his car was just too tight after that, and he wound up uh, giving the lead, I guess, couldn't hold it off to Danny Hamlin, but Newman came home in 11th. He's fighting for his playoff life, though, and I'm on Newman's side with this one, even though my heart wants to be with Matt, because Newman is not only fighting to stay on the lead lap, not only fighting for a top 10 position, borderline, but if Matt DiBenedetto wins the race, you know what happens to Newman? He's out of the playoffs. Because the 95 of Matt D, he's below the cut line, way below the cut line. So that's a new winner. If he were to win the race, that knocks somebody who's currently in out. And that would be Ryan Newman. So he raced him hard. Martin Truex Jr., 13th. Joey Logano, 16th. Jimmy Johnson, 19th. And Harvick, Kevin, P39. Yikes. Dead freaking last. I believe that's only the second time it's ever happened in his career where Kevin finishes dead last. Unfortunately, I was not able to watch this race live, but I saw a ton of highlights, and oh baby, was it good. Bristol, baby, we back. Let's hit quickly on the Xfinity and Truck Series from Bristol, and then we'll hit on the K&M Pro Series East from Thunder Valley, and also K&M West from Evergreen Speedway. So Tyler Reddick, one of the big three this year in Xfinity, starts in the back of the field due to failing post-qualifying inspection winds up winning the joint. It was a pretty impressive feat, if I do say so myself, as well. Not only did the Cup Series driver come from the back of the front to win, but also the Xfinity Series driver did. He actually kind of had a mulligan, too, because while racing for the stage win, he spun out, just got too tight underneath the leader in second place. But, man, he had a hot rod on Friday night at Bristol, and it showed. Not necessarily down and out, but it was going to be really hard to get back to the lead and then just everything happened the way it did it was really crazy uh but so i was really happy to see it go that way i feel like we almost took ourselves out of it i we we didn't have a lot of time to to make an adjustment uh when the caution came out and something randall had told me like just be ready you gotta be quick and didn't really communicate to the best of my ability what we needed to work on and what we needed to do and i think you know after we got tires our car was just too tight so i was worried that I cost ourselves a race, so for it to come back to us was was nice and uh, makes me look a lot better than I think it should. <laughs> In the Gander Outdoors Truck Series, Brett Moffitt punches his ticket to the next round of the playoffs with his win at Bristol. He was the number one seed coming in, and he showed why with his victory. It's not really about making statements. It's about winning races, and that speaks for itself. So we've had a lot of fast Chevy Silverados this year, and things just haven't played out. I thought almost for damn sure we were going to win Michigan last week and crafting it going on the restart and it cost us, but um, I guess you can call it a statement or whatever, but we're just executing the race fully 
and we have fast trucks and we're we're just doing everything right tonight and and that's what we need to do continue it into the playoffs but it's a huge weight lifted off our shoulders that's for damn sure and um we'll go to the next two try to win them get as many playoff points possible and then focus on the round of six since the truck race took place on Thursday night, I was able to grab some audio from the top 10 finishers and some playoff contenders. So I'll run through the, I'll run through those quickly for you. Chandler Smith, dude, finishes second in his third ever start. Not too bad. I think you could have done anything differently on the last restart to get by him. I could have been like every other typical racer and just been a little dirty, but I chose to have a little more respect than that. So hats off to Brett, hats off to 2014. But overall today we unloaded struggled most throughout the day and uh we're just really thankful for this p2 finish that we got for this eyeball power toyota tundra so you're really disappointed and kind of laying on the bed of the truck what was going through your head there yeah it's just kind of sucks i don't come to races to finish second you know so just kind of wish we were winning how much confidence can you take from this run obviously one of the toughest tracks on the entire circuit and you're kind of new at this thing so how about how's your confidence level right now in the truck yeah, I mean, it's just all experience at this point. That's why he's sitting in the winter circle and we're not. He's got a little more experience in this deal than I do, and it all comes down to that sometimes. So. Has Kyle Busch given you any advice leading into this race? He knows a thing or two about getting around here. Yeah, we talked a little bit, but top never really came in tonight, so I didn't get to really use much of it. Matt Crafton had a little run-in with Stuart Friesen, but they're all good. We put pressure on 24 for a little while, and when we put tires on right there, we just got really tight for whatever reason, and uh but I thought it would still come to us, but then we just had all them short runs at the end, and it just killed us. Stewart. I mean, me and, me and Stuart, I mean, we, we've always got along real well. And uh, I thought I, I cut him a break getting into three a lot before that, and that 45 ended up passing me because of that got us checked up, and he ended up going by us. And then, uh, then I got back under him down here and off two again. We're side by side, and he just tried to peel me off on the lap car. And I, I just, I was assuming and figuring he was going to give me room. <laughs> there and he didn't give me a run. I thought we were just gonna be able to run three wide through there and he just tried to peel me off on lap car but I said it's hard racing I mean Stewart's a good racer and like I said I just want to make sure it was all good. Ross the boss the watermelon man Chastain was extremely unhappy with a multitude of things that went down in his race the track wound up grinding down the top lane he was not pleased about that the unnecessary caution laps and then people getting their feelings hurt like a pretty eventful evening, knockout, drag out. How'd you see your night unfold? Uh, not the way we wanted. Obviously, really fast truck. Wish we could have raced it out with Brett there. We made it a lot better on our one pit stop. Uh, if we don't get hit by a sign here. I'm not trying to hit by Yeah, I mean, they've taken away the top, right? And the middle groove uh, was good for a lap or two, and you had to get back down. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's old Bristol. Like, they've got us back on the bottom. You're going to see it with the Xfinity race. People are, there's no way to pass anymore. They've taken it away, and our truck was good enough even in dirty air to drive to their left rear and get position um i gave guys breaks at the beginning but once we had that penalty man i got to get back up there like fighting for my career fighting for everything fighting for my guys like you have the fastest race truck you can't just ride in line um it's what filled this place up 40 years ago and we got to fill it back up is tonight a missed opportunity you feel like though man it's, it's just part of it right you're gonna have that in big time nascar racing um small mistake i don't know exactly what happened but um we keep bringing fast trucks like this right um that's, it's a dream come true to be driving these things, like just to be in this position, just to race here at Bristol. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I wish we could have raced with Brett. Brett Do you prefer the other Bristol where the top groove is an option? It doesn't matter. It, you just you can't be. You just get what they give you. You know, it's their sandbox. It's their concrete jungle here, and um, 
you know, we just didn't come out on top tonight. You were frustrated after the race, you were, where were you at after the race? No, I was frustrated, you know, through the middle part when we had that penalty, that's, um, you know, I, I knew that pretty much um, took us out a chance to, to continue to, to lead and to obviously, and to, to, to race with Brett. Um, and, um, you know, just so many caution laps, that's more what I was frustrated with, just one little spin, it happened to me at Eldora, I self-spun, uh, got going within 10 seconds, and uh, we rode around for like six, seven, eight laps, and the same thing tonight, and these aren't 500 lap cup races, we got to get this stuff tightened up, um, we got to have more green flag racing, keep our, uh, everybody's attention, like keep them focused, and keep the drivers on edge. How do you do that? Less caution laps, for self-spins, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, very frustrated with that. It's, hap- it's happened in the truck series for a long time, but it's just we've been on the wrong end of it, so I'm especially frustrated. Um, so hopefully next time we're out front and we get these long cautions for no reason. Austin Hill, he bookended the regular season by winning at Daytona and winning at Michigan. He was pretty happy exiting Bristol considering that this was the weakest track in his mind in the playoffs. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I uh, Heck, I actually told my guys coming in here that uh, – out of all the uh, seven races on the playoff schedule, this was my weakest one. So um, if a 10th place finish is our worst, worst finish, I'll take it and run. All right, now let's get to the main event. The K&N Pro Series East Bush's Beans 150 from Bristol Motor Speedway. It was a great race. I'm not saying that because I cover the series and because I'm technically a NASCAR employee. It was a really, really entertaining race. Had a lot of storylines, but none bigger than what happened in turn three on lap one. Okay, here's what happens. Chase Cabry's on the pole. Sam Mayer starting second. We know that those two have had a, a bit of a history going back this season. Nobody's wrecked each other, but they've beaten and they've banged and they've traded paint, as Chase Cabry has said this season. So what happens in turn three? Well, Sam Mayer dumps Chase Cabry. That was crazy. And the contact was not that bad on the number four, but something was bent in the rear suspension and the loads that you carry at Bristol. It wound up giving Chase a ton, ton of severe back pain. He had to be helped out of the car post-race, was taken to a local hospital for further evaluation, was diagnosed with some back strains, some spasms. Nothing was fractured, and this week he was cleared to race this weekend in Gateway. So what happens to Sam Mayer, though? So he gets sent to the back for reckless driving. But everybody in the k garage said that the 21 of Mayer and GMS Racing by far had the best car at Bristol. They won earlier on in the season, and they were not going to be denied again on Thursday afternoon. Sam Mayer starts in the front, gets sent to the back, comes all the way back to the front, and he wins the race. His third win of the season, second at Bristol. Sorry for the bad audio here, but NASCAR Media did not post it on their site. Shout out to Jacob Seelman for providing me with it. Sam Mayer is going to break down the lap one contact with Chase and his race overall. Um, I'm the one asking the questions. And some of these comments circulated rather quickly um, because they're pretty telling. And for full disclosure, he did not know. He was not aware that Chase was hurt and in the hospital at this point. We'll get to your race in a second. Can you just walk me through the contact on lap one with Chase? Yeah, I just I tried to get in there and uh, tried to move him out of the way, but uh, I just got in there too hard. and. I mean, he kind of deserved it for how he's racing me this year, but I didn't want to do it like that. I, I never try to race like that. Uh, but, I mean, it happened, and, I mean, I'll take it. But, like like I said, I didn't want to do it like that at all. What did you think of the penalty to send you to the back? I mean, tough to say. I mean, it's all in NASCAR's judgment. But, I mean, 
I did, I did flat out dump them. I mean, I didn't mean it at all, uh, but I mean, I did get in there way too hard and get into them, so I, I understand. And everybody else in the field said that you were the class of the field as you were earlier. Was there any doubt in your mind that when you were coming up through the field that you wouldn't be able to get back up and challenge for the win? Uh, I mean, there's always that little bit in your mind that uh, has doubt, but I mean, I felt pretty confident in the race car. Um, and Mar Marty put together a really good one. Everyone at GMS can't thank them enough for putting together a really good car, obviously. Uh, but I mean, yeah, with the arrow and all that, like I couldn't get by the third year to save my life until they made a mistake. Um, so it, it definitely uh, did pay off that we, we were there to uh, get in the opportunity to uh, pass them. So I mean, yeah, there was a little bit down in my mind, but I was pretty confident as well uh, that we could get it done. Well. I can't say that Sam Mayer didn't give me some stuff to talk about this week. <laughs> um, so I was not able to get a comment from Chase Cabry after the race, obviously, because he was in an extreme amount of pain. But I really, really highly recommend you guys to go to NASCARHomeTracks.com. It's also on my Twitter and my Facebook page. And read the article that I wrote on their rivalry. I talked to both of them. Chase is A-OK. -okay. Um, he had some poignant comments about Sam. And Sam had the same about Chase. And I think it's safe to say that this weekend at Gateway and moving forward, this rivalry is far, far from over. Spencer Davis was another big storyline of the day. He dominated the race, led over 130 laps, um, but he ended up finishing in fifth place because he got rooted out of the way with a bump and run done by Sam Mayer with about 12 laps to go. I was really thinking that Spencer was going to be able to get the victory, but it was heartbreak for him. I really did think they have it in the bag, though. He had some interesting things to say about Sam Mayer as well. He's an underrated soundbite. Spencer Davis comes with a top five finish, but that does not begin to tell the story of his day. Led the most laps. Seems like you had your first shot in a long time to really win this race. Could you do anything to hold off Sam at the end of the closing laps? Um, you know, maybe him getting another rough driving penalty before the end of the race. Um, no, I mean... You know that GMS car is going to be the class of the field every time they show up, unfortunately, and you just got to do your best. You know, we're kind of we're fighting pistols since against fully automatics right here. So um, I thought we were pretty good. We just shoved the right front off, probably a little bit too soft on right rear spring, and it bit us. I think we were good enough to hold anybody off size of 21 when he got by. I knew, I knew my laps were numbered, and I know how he drives. So when he got close, I was just preparing for – Preparing for what happened to Chase, pretty much, and he uh, he spared me a little bit. You know, he just knocked us up the track and went on his way to win another race. How he does his thing, but couldn't hold him off, man. It's it's hard to do like that. And I can I can only get so mad because it's Bristol. I mean, you you expect it, but you know he he gave me a little bit of courtesy, which you know I'm thankful for because you know when he gets on his jet later today, I'll be driving home, getting ready to fix this thing Monday if he junked us. So or actually actually Sunday because we got to take this thing to Gateway. So, wasn't ideal, but I mean, they knew we were here. We had our first legitimate shot, like you said. Things just didn't play out, you know. But thankful for um, Mark Ray and Terry Jones at Red Jones Racing. They'll give me a chance to wheel this number thirty. JRI shocks, tower ceilings, Jones um, abatement, demolition, Ford Fusion. Just take it as I get them, man. You know, led a hundred, hundred twenty something mile laps today, and um, probably tied my season best right there already. For laps led in a year so nothing nothing to really complain about all smiles another top five 
I'm sure this could probably give you a ton of confidence going into Gateway, where I know you performed well last year, albeit with a different team, but it's got to give you a world of confidence moving on in 2019. Yeah, uh, real big confidence boosters the last couple of weekends. Honestly, we'll take uh, Watkins Glen as a mulligan. But, uh, you know, we ran good at Kentucky in the truck race. Got a ton of stage points, finished in the top ten um, as our second race as a truck team. Um, you know, ran good last K&N race out in the Loudon and ran good here. So, you know, we're working at it hard. You know, two of, two of us working in the shop and Mark brainstorming in his office and he comes out and works too. So we don't have the manpower like most people, but – you know, we make up for it in hours and ambition and the want. Spencer Davis, they knew you were here today. Nice run. Yes, sir. Thank you. So he came home in fifth place and, again, had some poignant comments. Ruben Garcia Jr., somehow, some way, came home with another third-place result. He's gathering these together, and all of a sudden, he's one of the most consistent cars as of late in the K&M Pro Series East. Ruben Garcia Jr. comes home with a third-place finish. Apparently, they don't want you in the media center, but, hey, I <laughs> want to talk to you. How was your race? It seemed like you had good speed throughout the day and kind of capitalized on some others' misfortunes there at the end. Yes. Um, during practice, I felt our car was decent. It was not a winning car for sure, but it was a top-five car. Um, qualifying, we qualified six. I don't think we had the right pressures or adjustment for qualifying and there we started the race that we were way too free we were not even close a fifth place car and uh, we made adjustments the first break made it just a little better but not much then the second stage nobody was coming to pit road and steve told me to come back to pit road and uh, i was not sure at all about that decision but i trusted steve i went in he made some adjustments came back out lost a few spots and uh our car was actually way better, and we were able to drive through the field, catch that five-car group on the lead, and um, had a good battle there the last 30 laps. Then I was trying my best to catch that 17 car to finish second. Uh, but with this PJ1 uh, thing, it's it's harder to pass because it's just a one-groove racetrack, and uh, you can you can get close to them, but not close enough to make that pass because you get into that dirtier, and it's harder to get closer. You're just there waiting for him to make a little mistake or something to happen to complete the pass. But still, um, really good comeback. We're all over the place. I didn't thought at lap 100 we were going to finish third, uh, but we managed to do that and uh, good points for everything. I'd be remiss to not mention Mr. Second Place. That, of course, is Ty Gibbs. I believe his fourth second place finish in K&N competition this year, eighth overall maybe. Uh, was not able to get him for a comment because while I was running to Victory Lane and running to see what was going on with Chase and getting some other drivers, I lost him in the shuffle. So, Ty, I will find you this weekend and talk to you about your race, but I doubt you're listening. Mason Diaz, shout-out to the DMV from Manassas, Virginia. He finishes a career best of fourth place for the Mad Motorsports. He had some help setting up his race car from Kevin Reed Jr. Why does that name sound familiar? Well, if you know the K&M Pro Series and you know Haley Deegan, Kevin Reed Jr. was her crew chief, and they had some falling outs that happened at Bristol Motor Speedway earlier on this season. But Kevin Reed Jr. helped out Mason Diaz in the number 24, set up this race car, as well as Venturini, as Mason will tell you right here. And man, they had a rocket ship. Top five finish for Mason Diaz, a career day in a brand new race car. Fourth place finish for Mason Diaz in his highly awaited return to K&M Pro Series East competition. Ran as high as second, you had speed all day. Pretty solid day for you, I'd say. What did you think of it? For the first time, this is a brand new car for us. So first time out of the box with it being fast off the trailer, then it's a great weekend just getting to know the new car. And it was a lot 
we knew we had speed the whole weekend, so we just played the race smart, and we were there at the end until uh, the um, 21 and 17 got together on the front straightaway, and the, the six got used to me, and that, that, that blew us away. But if not, I, I think we would have a top three finish for sure. You told me earlier that Kevin Reed Jr. helped you prepare this car. He obviously knows how to set up a car. He was Haley Deegan's crew chief earlier this year. How important was he to this effort today? Well, he's very important, and same with Venerini. That we used to pull it on rig, and they, they help us a little bit with setup. And uh, Mike Darn, he 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 studies this stuff, and he's first year into it, third race on his belt with it now. But he's made a great change into it, and Kevin Reed helped Brandon some out, giving his opinions in, and just stuff we do not know about the car yet. So Kevin Reed help us a tremendous amount for this race. Same with Vinny. Jason Diaz holding down the DMV. Haley Deegan in her first race of the Deegan double weekend came home with a top 10 finish in her first time racing for DGR. Ninth place finish for Haley Deegan in leg one of the Deegan double. First race of DGR Crosley, obviously. How do you think it compared to racing here with a BMR car? I, well, for the only time I ever raced here at the BMR car, so my, like... Not, it not a fair comparison. It, was, it yeah. wasn't a fair comparison. So I'd say this race, we came from the back and that's probably the most comfortable I felt because I was actually I was driving through the field and I was driving towards the front and then midway through the race I was like okay I'm gonna back off a little bit save some tires but not David like how he explained it to me is you can only go around a corner say you're going 150 here and you claim to make the corner at 125 well something's got to slow you down to make that 125 so my way of saving tires which obviously wasn't the right way <laughs> was using less brake and just letting it roll well that's just using up the right front more so it ended up burning up the right front a little faster than I wanted to. So that's why the last 10, 15 laps, we lost the right front and uh, just started getting tight. And so I lost that drive off, which is key here. So in the end, I felt like this is the, probably the most I've ever learned during a race, just from having to pass people, set up passes on a one, one group racetrack. See you in Evergreen. See you in Evergreen. <laughs> so that right there, boys and girls, is the Bush's Beans 150 at Bristol. Now let's talk about the K&N West race. So after that, I got about an hour and a half of sleep, got on a flight from Tri-Cities to Charlotte, Charlotte to Seattle, and I went and covered the Evergreen Speedway race, the Napa Auto Parts 150 presented by Enios. Trevor Huddleston flat out dominated it. Nobody had anything for Driver 9. I was not able to catch up with him and get audio because um, I'll, I'll take you behind the scenes. So home tracks, they want us to do video recaps or video interviews with the winner uh fastest in practice pole winner and then the race winner so we did that with trevor you can check out what he had to say on twitter i also quote tweeted it um but there was also a super late model race going on directly after the k&n race and i did not want to get trapped in the infield because i had a recap to write and the results to post so instead of staying with him for an extra five minutes and getting the audio i had to skedaddle out of there so that's why i do not have trevor huddleston but trevor Congratulations to you, my friend. Uh, you earned that one for sure. Derek Krause came home in second place, and he, he'll tell you right here, one of the tightest race cars he has ever had in his career. He was complaining on the radio all race long and all practice long, but this is his first second-place finish of the season, believe it or not. Listen to what he said about running in the K&M Pro Series East as well because this is the first time that anybody's really asked him about it. I wanted to do a story on that, but um, that's a story for another day. That's all I'm going to say about that. Anyways, so listen to what he says about running in the K&M Pro Series East and how basically it was not his decision. Close but no cigar for Derek Krause. You did lead a handful of laps, so I know you're happy about that. But a second-place effort for you tonight. I see there's a little bit of scratches on your car. You had a hell of a battle there with your teammate Haley Deegan. Walk me through your race as a whole, first of all. Yeah, overall, I mean, it's probably one of the tightest race cars I've ever had in my life. 
But it was good. We got a good finish out of it overall. And just can't thank all these BMR guys enough. They work really hard on these cars all week. And uh, we'll move on to Gateway and hopefully we'll have a good run there. And just got to be consistent with this West Coast. Uh, uh, we weren't able to finish out the East Coast. So I feel that I didn't want to give up. I mean, we weren't. I felt like we were still in it. I felt like anything can happen. But definitely wasn't my decision. And then uh, I guess we just got this West Coast left and we'll. We'll do the best we can to keep a points lead here and stay consistent. And we got to be there at the end of the year. We got to keep our points lead and keep leading laps, keep finishing top three, and I think we'll be fine. Yeah, you did increase your points lead today over your teammate Haley Deegan, who you had a nice battle with on the front stretch. I saw you guys made a little bit of contact. Walk me through that battle. She got into me first, you know, which she said at Colorado. Swing, I swung first or whatever. So I guess she swung first and I swung second. So I guess that's racing. That's how she wants to race. I'll race the same way. Uh, we'll move on to Gateway, and uh, it'll be a good race there, too. you think you had anything for the 9 if, if your car was maybe a little bit looser? Because I know you were complaining about it all day. I heard you on the radio at one point saying, please, for the love of God, get this car off the ground. Well, yeah, the first one we had it on the racetrack, and it was just on the racetrack way too much. It'd go into the corner and hit the racetrack and bounce up, and it was tight. And then, like I said, I said, please, for the love of God, get this thing turned better. <laughs> you were begging. Get off the racetrack, yeah, and... They got it off the racetrack, but they fortunately didn't get a turn better. It was still way too tight, way tighter than it needed to be. And uh, we'll go back to the shop, work on it, and we'll move on to the next short track race after Gateway, which I believe is Meridian. Yep. Second place for Derek Krause tonight. Let's give a call to his Bill McAnally Racing teammate, Brittany Zamora. She started on the pole, her first pole that she's earned this year, and she'll tell you that as well. But the second time she started P1, wound up tying her career best finish of third she had that at tucson speedway as well seems like she burnt the tires off in the 99 a little bit but she did earn a top 10 as well i think in the super late model race following directly after for for bzm bzr god i can't talk today but she had a pretty solid day in front of her hometown crowd that was rowdy and raucous for Brittany Zamora. The hometown girl, Brittany Zamora, comes home with a third place finish, tying her career best. Started on the pole, led a handful of laps. Good experience tonight. I know you wanted that one in front of your hometown fans, but a respectable night for you. How do you think it went? Yeah, uh, it, it was a lot tougher. Uh, you know, new track, new tires, different car. I'm used to racing my super late model here, so it's definitely an adjustment getting into race trim in the K&N cars. We, we started on pole by like 40 somewhere. Laps, I think around there and then fell back to fifth we were just tight 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 I had to park it in the center of the corner uh, the halfway break we made adjustments we improved on it but we just didn't get it to where we needed we are still fighting the car and um, I mean battled back for a p3 finish I thought I was getting turned the last lap there but I kept her straight and you know and landed on the podium I know that we talked earlier this week and you said this is a place that you would love to kind of get that bad luck streak out of your system. You did that tonight. Do you think this yeah. will give you guys a little bit of momentum heading into the last few races of the year? Yeah, I think so. You know, getting the pole and coming out with a podium. I mean, you really don't have too much to complain about besides, you know, two more positions. But we're, we're definitely in the right direction, especially coming off of, you know, Sonoma, we had electrical failure. Iowa, we had radiator failure. And just having these struggles that come with being come with racing you know mechanical struggles happen and so um you got to have all the parts play a favor and on your day and we're, we're getting there let's give a call to a guy called trenton Trenton Moriarty specifically I had never heard of him honestly 
but he did extremely well in his K&M Pro Series East-West. God, I'm exhausted. Sorry. He did very well in his K&N debut uh, in the number seven car. Trenton Moriarty, local super late model champion and state champion here in Washington, comes home with a fourth place finish in his first career K&N Pro Series start. You had a leg up on everybody tonight because of your experience here at the track, but your first time in a K&N car, I'd say a top five is pretty, pretty good. Yeah, we. Uh, I think we had a top two car or top three car. I know we didn't have anything for the nine car. He was in his own, you know, zip code this this weekend. But uh, man, that the ninety nine. I, I don't know. She just every time we we have a restart, I get sucked up behind her, and she just she wouldn't go. So that was kind of frustrating. We lost a lot of positions at, at the first segment, and uh, ended up having to work our way through the field. And uh, you know, Jeff Jefferson and uh, Jason Jefferson gave me a great uh, Jefferson race cars. Brock uh, BRI um, Ford Fusion and. Uh, a little disappointed at the drag race to the line. I thought I got her, but uh, it is what it is. I'll take a, I'll take a fourth for my first place or first time, and uh, hopefully we'll move on to the next one. You think we'll see you at any more K&N races this year? Uh, we're going to try and go to Meridian now. I think we're, we got our, our hopes up. We, we know we can race with these top guys, and, uh, yeah, I think we're going to go try and go to Meridian now. You heard it right there. He has some very nice credentials to his resume in the state of Washington. Haley Deegan also was on the same flight as me from Charlotte to Seattle. She was not pleased either. After flying cross-country from Bristol, her on-track rivalry with Jagger Jones continues on as, well, not the result she was looking for, but she'll just keep on trucking. Haley Deegan comes home with outside of the top five. We don't have the finishing order in front of us right now. Tough race for you. You were as high as second at one point racing hard with your teammate Derek, but you said that there was a little bit of contact with you in the six of Jagger Jones that kind of put your night downhill. Yeah, he just hit me in the left rear, and once you go, you're fine door-to-door, whatever, wheel-door, but he went straight, like hooked my tire and ripped something in the left rear because as soon as that happened just started chattering in the left rear down the straightaways and going to the corners just push and then snap loose no drive off so i was just made us follow the back and i was holding on to at that point how was your car before the damage it seemed like you were pretty fast yeah we were fast in the middle of the race and then all of a sudden that happened it just didn't come in interview time you guys like how that's kind of becoming like a thing? When I lead into all my interviews, I just sing real quick. It is with Front Row Motorsports Cup Series driver Matt Tift. We hit on it all from physical fitness, the infamous tow truck incident that happened at Michigan, his Cleveland roots, an update on school, out kicking his coverage with his fiance, who is gorgeous. That was a very funny moment. Um, a check in three plus years following his brain tumor surgery why he's on the keto diet now, how that is, driving for a multitude of owners throughout his short uh, NASCAR career so far, but a pretty impressive list. Front row going to three cars for this season, the jump from Xfinity to Cup, having veterans as teammates, what a successful weekend looks like, and much, much more. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. I know I did. Joining me now is Matt Tift, driver of the 36 car for Front Row Motorsports. We were just talking, the heat here in New Hampshire is absurd. So what do you do in the weeks leading up, different than you normally do, to stay hydrated, keep yourself physically fit and mentally fit to be in the car for 300 laps when it's 150 degrees in the cockpit? Yeah, you know, usually when we come up to New Hampshire, it's kind of a nice break from the Carolina heat that we're used to. And last night we got off the plane, it was 72 degrees and nice out and... Uh, but no, not here. So, um, you know, actually, I've been been training a lot uh, this summer. 
Um, and I've trained a lot with Blake Cook over the last year, but really this summer I've almost been doing two-a-days every single day. Mm. So uh, I've been at, at night in my garage. It's been about uh, 100 to 105 degrees, wow. and I've been uh, riding my Peloton bike in there. Is, for, that, is that you doing that on purpose, though? Yeah, like yeah. I, I, so I try to do heart rate training with it and try to be – well, it's already that hot from just sitting in the daytime right, and stuff. Right. So. Uh, I've been doing that every night just because the races, you don't get a break from it anymore in the summer. And, and really until it gets to the fall and gets easier, you might as well just get your body as acclimated as you can to that. So I've tried to have every day where I'm outside sweating in the heat so that my body's not in big shock uh, when it gets to these summer races. So I've been trying to do more of that just to keep myself in the game of, of being used to being hot. Well, lucky for you, you probably don't sweat while you're just sitting in the AC. I sweat all the time, so <laughs> good for you for that. I guess you you have to be fit to be in the race car, but also I like how you do things leading up to it to be more fit in the race car. It's interesting. Like yeah, well, I mean, you want to you wanna be able to be in the game at the end of the races. Right. So especially when it gets hot like this, if you have a system failure or you have a, a, cool, a cool box failure or uh, um, things like that, you know, last weekend we had um, all our coolant systems uh, broke inside the race car. So, you know, situations like that, yeah, it was a night race, so it wasn't bad. But, you know, say it was this weekend, you want to be prepared for that and make sure that your stamina and stuff is, is good to go. Yeah, and I'm going to get into this with you too, but you, you had some extensive time in the Xfinity Series. Um, besides the difference of competition, which we'll get to, has it been different and hard for you to kind of jump from, all right, Xfinity race is supposed to be over at lap 200, 250, let's say. Then you got another 50, you got another 100 laps. Do you kind of notice that in the car now and saying, all right, well, I got to keep going? Yeah, I don't I don't think I have except for just a handful of races. Um, I think the mile and a half have been fairly easy as far as that's gone. I actually have felt like they've gone by fairly quickly, especially for us because we're racing so much against the clock not to get lapped right. that you're just you're all out to mm -hmm. get to those stages or those cautions. So that hasn't been too bad, but... Um, the one that got to me was uh, was Martinsville and Bristol. Uh, the Bristol race, you know, my spotter said stage two, you know, 250 or lap 300, whatever it was, and he was going, you know, 150 to go, 100 to go, 75 to go. I finally keyed up. I was like, dude, I'm just going. Do not tell me another lap because <laughs> yeah. this is just killing me. You know, it's like hold it for 10 more seconds. Hold it for, you know, you're just yeah. like, all right, enough, stop. Yeah. And so you just keep on going. So that was the only time it really got to me. I was like. Man, 500 that's, laps around here is a long, long time. That's brutal. You know what else is brutal? Getting your truck towed after qualifying. <laughs> that happened to you at Michigan? Well, it did. What the hell happened? I, I don't know. I <laughs> I parked in my spot with my pass, and the lady pointed me there, and then I uh, I got out of my car and was in my fire seat, and the guy said it was getting towed, so I went running. and We chased it around the backstretch and finally found it. So so you got it before they took it away? I did, yes. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I had to chase them around to the backstretch, a couple-mile chase there, but we did eventually stop them and wave them down. Okay. So, yeah, it was that was not one of my finer moments, but out of it, we uh, at least there's a story to tell there from now Happen, on. Happens to the best of us, yeah. as always. <laughs> so the last time we talked, we talked um, about your Cleveland roots. You're from Hinkley, but yeah. Cleveland sports fans. So let's talk about that a little bit. The Browns are looking pretty good this year, which is a shocker. It is, yeah. I know you're probably excited to get football season rolling back around and watch OBJ and Baker throw it around. Absolutely, yeah. I'm just hoping everybody can stay healthy. I mean, it's an exciting yeah. deal for them. Um, you know, last year I thought they were going to go – uh, my prediction, I think, was seven and nine, and I think they were close. To, I think there was. Um, I think there were six, eight, and one. Uh, no, they. Were, I know it wasn't a losing record. It was because they had a tie in there yeah. somewhere. Maybe it was like eight, I don't know. But anyways, like that. Uh, it was the first time they didn't have a losing record. Right. So, um, so I, my guess was that they were either going to go nine and seven or ten and six. So I'm excited to see it because I mean it's. 
you know, being born in 96 and being a Browns fan the whole time, it's been <laughs> a little rough. Yeah. So it's been exciting to actually see, you know, some, some fun and uh, excitement come back to Browns Sundays, which I really, you know, on the Xfinity side, I would watch it every single Sunday mm-hmm. at home. So I'll have to keep up with it somehow. But now they got a lot of primetime games this True. year, so at least we can still check them out. And uh, the All-Star game for Major League Baseball was just in Cleveland. Did you have any friends that went to all the festivities? Yeah, I had some friends that went up there. I was uh, kicking myself a little bit for not being able to make it up there to go. Uh, you know, I know the last time I think it was 94, 97, yeah, something like ago. that. So um, I should have gone. I regret not going to that. But uh, maybe next time we can get hooked up and uh, go on maybe the celebrity game or something yeah. like that would be pretty cool. I feel it because last I'm, I'm from the D.C. area. And yeah. last year the All-Star game was in D.C. And as the Home Run Derby was going on, I was flying in a plane to right. Alaska. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I was I was having some fear of missing out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> So are you still at UNC Charlotte or have you graduated? No, so I haven't gone there since 2016 since everything happened there. And so really when I got done with my medical recovery, the doctors kind of told me, hey, for the stress and stuff of what's going on, you kind of need to focus on either school or racing. So so really since then, um, you know, I guess I would be a junior right now, uh, but I never did end up graduating. You know, who who knows where life will take me. I might Mm -hmm. go back and do that at some point. But as of right now, um, you know, credits still stand and stuff there in the business school, but I I haven't uh, gotten the degree there yet. Good to keep the door still open, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely an option. You never know what uh, what might come of things, and uh, it, it's always good to have, uh, you know, the education in there. But, you know, the, the good thing about our sport is that we do work so much with sponsors and do so many board meetings and uh, things with with companies like that that I feel like I'm getting a lot of real-life education with that all the time. Yeah. So I feel like I'm never not learning the things that I was wanting to learn anyways. Yeah. Talking about life, you're engaged recently. I am. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, thank it's you. very exciting. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess it was after Homestead last year, and then uh, we're getting married here in the first week of December. Wow, very exciting. I think I speak on behalf of all guys, say you got a good one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I way out kicked my coverage, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> there you go. Um, so last time we talked, I think it was one year following your surgery and now i think it's what about three or yeah so a, little after, a little after three yep so it seems like from the outside everything's a-okay is, yep. is it all good on your end yeah it's been totally great um you know it's been kind of a whirlwind since we probably talked after that you know i i adapted a, an entirely new lifestyle with a ketogenic diet and it's a, a diet that's um it's a high fat low carb diet but it's designed to help keep my brain tumor away and so ever since then my scans have been awesome uh, i've been moved out to annual checkouts and probably hopefully after this next one get moved on to even more than that that's so awesome. so it's been really good with that and um you've really picked up a, a healthy and active lifestyle that i really didn't have before so uh, i've really been enjoying that and um, but it's, it's certainly been great to have the full health uh, with all that stuff. That's great to hear. And this is a cliche question. I wrote down that it's a cliche question, okay. but do you ever look back and think to yourself, I literally had a brain tumor, yeah. my head was cut open, and now you're driving a race car in the Cup Series? Yeah. Like that, that rapid rise is insane when you think about it. Yeah, no, it is, it is crazy. And, and especially um, when we hit the three-year mark a couple weeks ago, I actually went back and there was uh, the Back to Track documentary that NBC did on me yeah. uh, you know, back then. And um, I actually went back and watched it because I realized there's so much of what I had forgotten of the process and things that had happened through there. So it was a really good reminder of everything that did happen hearing from the doctors and seeing all that stuff, getting to watch it back from the documentary that was on me was, was really cool just to kind of give a refresher of that stuff and really kind of remind myself of what did happen because although sometimes it feels like yesterday, sometimes it feel like it, it never happened oh, at yeah. all. And, you know, still there's a 
a half dollar size hole in there. But um, but it's crazy because now you know I, I don't even think about it on a day to day basis at all, uh, unless I'm I'm you know talking about it in an interview or podcast <laughs> or whatever. But um, but otherwise, it just it, it really doesn't. I don't feel it in my daily life anymore, which is awesome. That's awesome though. I'm so glad that everything's going well because there's there's been people in my family that have had similar health issues and they haven't been as fortunate as you. So it's great to see. It's just amazing that you're able to drive a race car, one of the most dangerous professions in all of sports in America, and this thing happened to you. So it's great to see that you're doing well. I appreciate that. So I was also doing some research and you've driven for a ton of very well-known, famous owners. You got Ken Schrader, Joe Gibbs, Richard Childress, Kyle Busch, Bill Venturini, like huge names. That's a a long list. It's really impressive. Do you ever think back, like, I've, I've been pretty fortunate in this sport to be working with so many Hall of Famers, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I certainly have been. And, you know, my career has definitely taken different paths, but it's all been very positive. And I, I've, my, the best thing I can say about all those owners that you just listed is all the guys from all the teams and those owners and that you listed there, I still have great relationships with. And I think that's one of the biggest things that you learn in this industry is that it's it's a small world. I mean, this is a very niche uh, or niche, niche, however you say that sport yeah. that you are going to work with somebody that you've worked with again. Everyone so, knows everybody. Yeah. So I don't have a, you know, I, I don't feel like I have a burn bridge with anybody in this garage. And I feel like that's, that's been really good because I feel like, um, you know, what goes around comes around in this deal. And, uh, you know, I can walk around with my head high knowing that, uh, that I've been respected by the guys I've worked with. And, um, at the same time, I've gotten to learn with so many different organizations. I feel like the understanding how they all work has helped me uh, to be a better driver and better to fit into different organizations. What specific things have you learned from those different owners, whether it be on track, off track, anything in between? Can you point to a couple things that maybe stick yeah. with you? Well, you know, I think um, it's harder to point back to the Ken Schrader and Venturini days just because I was still 16, 17 years yeah. old. So I think I really look at my trucks and Xfinity career and and really, um, you know, for everything leading up to the cup career. And, and if you look at those, I think being over at Joe Gibbs Racing and Richard Childress Racing, I think two very different dynamic teams of how they approach things and, and the um, uh, the style of, uh, you know, just the vibe of the guys and everything mm-hmm. there. You know, right or wrong, they both have great performance and history in those groups. So I think um, – what it did make me realize was, you know, there was a lot of things I learned and became a better driver throughout that process that I wish I could have gone back and applied, you know, when I was at a, a KBM that um, I had not op- a great opportunity there and I was trying to mix it with school and uh, probably just didn't give it the full focus that I needed, honestly. And so, you know, I do I do regret that because I see if uh, how big of an opportunity it was and how great those trucks were. And uh, I look back and say, you know, I probably didn't capitalize on that how I needed to. So I think because of that, I've learned to try to make myself better and make sure I, you know, do the best I can with any group I'm with now. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun over at RCR last year. They really restored my confidence and got me feeling um, like I uh, was a big part of their organization. And so um, that really opened the doors to over here at Front Row. And, and I feel like it's been a, a great learning process. I'm starting to move more into an active role in there, too, of what we're requesting out of the cars and being on the same wavelength as David and Michael. And then we get to add to that list, Bob Jenkins, who heads up things here at yeah. Front Row. How is he to work with? Yeah, Bob's been great. You know, Bob's Bob's super passionate about NASCAR. I mean, it's it's a special person that, you know, has all these different business entities and, and franchises and, and everything across the country, but still is passionate enough to spend his own dollars and put it into a NASCAR team. So I think that's really cool and speaks a lot about his passion for NASCAR because that's a big undertaking. It's not an easy job to be uh, a team owner in the sport. And, you know, our GM, Jerry Freeze, he does a great job there and really probably plays the role of about five or six 
six different guys in yeah. our shop there. Um, so I think it's it's been really good, and I think the the exciting thing is there is that room for growth, and I think Bob sees that. You know, getting a brand new race shop, third race team here, so it's exciting to be a part of that expansion. And, and but with that, you know, there's going to be challenges, and you just got to plan out how you get better and, and take each week at a time. And being a rookie, I'm sure challenges are a plenty for you on and off the racetrack, managing your time and. I'm always interested to talk to guys that are kind of in the middle of the pack, you know? Like, what is the success in your mind and with this team week in and week out? Is it finishing in the top 25 and then you move to top 20s? Where do you think you are now? Where do you think you guys can ultimately go in 2019? Yeah, I think um, internally at Front Row, we've had a lot of different cars and packages that we've tried ourselves to try and adapt to this rules package. So, you know, with that being said, I feel like we've had so much change in our organization between our three cars of approaches and things that we're doing and the clips we run and things like that, that it we haven't been able to be on a great consistent path. And we've decided here recently of what the car builds we want to be, mm-hmm. what that's going to look like. And so, you know, I feel like um, the, the benchmark at the beginning of the year was a top 25 and then it was a top 20. And then we kind of take a step back and evaluate what was going on with our program as other people excelled. And we kind of struggled through the mud there a little bit. So, um, you know, now I think as we look at these next upcoming racetracks, um, I think for us the goal is a top 20. Uh, we had a streak in May there, I think, five out of six weeks where we were, you know, between 20th and 25th place. Mm-hmm. So we need to get back to that, you know, consistently. And obviously a top 10 in Daytona was huge. Uh, but then you go to um, uh, to Kentucky last week and kind of struggle and, and finish, I think, 27th or something like that. We probably had a top 25 out of it, but that's not where we need to be. We need to be, you know, 20th to 23rd I feel like so we need to get to that spot and then figure out how we move into the teens on a really good weekends and you mentioned front row moving to three cars this is all you've known in the cup series but for a while front row had been a two-car operation so how has the vibe in the shop been going from two to three cars full-time this season? Yeah, you know, I think in the beginning of the year it was more of a scramble just because they were trying to get cars together. But once we got past Atlanta and the West Coast swing, I feel like it really calmed down a lot for everybody. And then uh, once we had race cars that weren't damaged and things, we could do do things to them to try to improve them. And like yeah. I said, we it, since then it's kind of been a company-wide search of what package we like and what chassis we're bringing to the racetrack. So now that I feel like we have a better direction on that, we can just mainly focus on our body builds and our aero side there which is going to help us as the company improve week to week rather than trying to, you know, throw uh, darts without yeah. feathers there. So that's that's where we're kind of at now. So now it's kind of settled down and we can pick a direction and just figure out how to make that direction better. Uh, but we have to figure that out still between the 550 and the 750 package because short tracks, we had a good run at Phoenix. Ever since then, we've really struggled. And your teammates, David Reagan and Michael McDowell, two veterans here in the sport, they, ha- they haven't been with that top-tier team, but they've been here for a few years, and they seem to have a really solid footing. Have you picked their brains every now and then to kind of get some information as a rookie would kind of need in his first year in the Cup Series? Absolutely, yeah. They've been uh, they've been a lot of help, and, and really just different circumstances I've been able to ask some things about stuff. So, uh, you know, whether it's been for on-track stuff or uh, financial things on, you know, personal yeah. side yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever, you know, they've been really good for that. And, and even just in, in general career and life and, and racing balance stuff has been cool to ask those guys. So, uh, and those are things you have to learn as a rookie, you know, traveling on the road for 38 weeks a year. Uh, it's a different deal. I Not mean, easy. It's, you know, I don't, 
Uh, I'm one of the few drivers that, you know, I don't have a motor coach. So, you know, I don't go in the bus lot and stuff. So I like to hang around with my guys and things. But, you know, that's just a different approach that I, I take. And so there's different things in there. Uh, but then, you know, there's there's little things of uh, the performance side that I might ask them on stuff or the sponsorship side or how they manage meetings or, um, you know, relationships with manufacturers and all that stuff. So there's so much that you learn that's such an elevated level at the Cup Series that um, that's not as big of a deal in the Xfinity or Truck Series that just because it's the premier, you know, level of racing. Right. And I'm sure Mike Kelly, your crew chief, who you're beginning to gel with this season, he has a lot of experience. He won two Xfinity titles with Ricky yep. Stenhouse Jr. He's got a handful of cup experience. I'm sure that he's helping you kind of navigate those waters too this season. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, he's been around the sport, you know, long enough to, to know what, what's good and what's bad to do. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I have a, a driver coach in Blake Cook too that I've worked with over the last year. And uh, between the, the driver coach side and fitness side, he's been a big uh, help just off the racetrack trying to, you know, figure out how I can get better. But then also, uh, you know, just on a day-by-day basis of, of what you do to prepare for races and how you um, set yourself apart in there, which is, which is tough to do in the series because everybody is so good so i mentioned the xfinity series and your experience there with rcr and jgr and all all the guys that have spent time in xfinity and trucks and even knn jumping from yep. the next level they talk about the extreme difference from series to series mm-hmm. now that you're past the halfway point in your rookie year how big has that difference been and how do you feel like you've navigated it so far as we're what 18 19 races in yeah it's it's been huge uh, the difference between xfinity and cup and i don't think the the cars obviously drive different with this new package we have yeah. this year but it's not about that it's you know driving a race car is still driving a race car it's it's the little things that add up so much on the cup side because on the xfinity side you can have a pit road speeding penalty you can be slow on your pit road rolling times you could have a um you know get dq'd or whatever and start at the rear and you can be up to 15th in, in four or five laps if you're in a quality car so that's the difference is that on the cup side you have 32 quality cars <laughs> And if you mess up, you really mess up and it's hard. You don't have enough shovels to dig yourself out of that hole. And especially being over, you know, here, we don't have the raw speed in our cars to make up that, you know, if a Stuart Haas or a Penske car messes up, they can climb out of that hole, but sometimes they even can't. Um, but that that's where it's tough for us to climb out of those holes when you have mistakes that you have to be on it every point of the race as a driver. What do you think has been the biggest thing that you have worked on this season, whether you can point it to restarts, pit road, like you mentioned, yeah. or is there anything specific? specifically that you have worked on this year 400 or 500 miles of qualifying laps you know xfinity and even other years in cup you'd let each other go or or try to uh you know do what made sense for for going through a run with this with this package and this tire combination and how fast the leaders come and clean air to catch the back of the pack it is all about every single lap is as intense from the first lap to the last lap and and even guys in the cup series say i've heard them talk about be like yeah we you know we we race each other like complete you know jackasses really and you have to because if you don't um the leader's coming and they're gonna they're gonna screw you somehow in there so that's a weird balance of how you can gain respect but also be extremely aggressive and there's a fine line in between there so i think trying to be more aggressive whether it's restarts or uh green flag runs or getting around people on the outside that's that's been a big thing i've had to work on just to be more efficient um you know with uh with my passing and getting away from the leaders so you get get enough of a buffer so you don't go a lap down because if you can make it to halfway in the race and you're on the lead lap there's a good chance you can come out of there with a top 20 but i bet it's hard to be aggressive in your position because you're a rookie you kind of want to pay your dues so to speak don't step on the veterans toes but at the same time if you're not aggressive you're not doing all you can for your sponsors, for your team, right. for yourself. So it's kind of a balancing act, right? It is. And I think the first part of the year was definitely more of the 
the learning part and, and just getting people comfortable with me and stuff. But now, you know, that we're at the second half of the year, you got to start turning that off. And you got there's a there's still a line you have to have of it. But at the same time, we have to start being able to push the issue because we're going to these places for a second time and we're trying to get better as a team and myself as a driver. And in order to improve our results, we got to be aggressive like they're being. Otherwise, you're going to get eaten alive. Right. So it's kind of a, um, you know, dog eat dog world in there. And if you're not the one fighting, you're going to get bit by somebody there. I like that analogy. Very good. Um, we're closing out here with Matt Tift. I want to know, what do you think to this point in your career in racing has been your biggest accomplishment? Uh, you know, I, I think I look back on, um, you know, I, I look back on my Xfinity career and I take a look at the road course races there. I feel like that was such a strong suit for me. Getting Absolutely. to uh, get a couple stage wins um, or a stage win in there, a few poles and uh, really strong finishes in there. I think that was great. But, you know, even I, um, I think hopefully uh we make it better but you know 20 30 years from now looking at even a top 10 at daytona you know finishing the top 10 in the cup series in my rookie year so that that was a huge deal for us so um i don't know i don't know that i have that moment yet and honestly uh my my biggest one in there whether it's any of the three national series is still getting that first win and i'm still very hungry for that win in there you know hopefully there's an opportunity to jump an xfinity car here and in a few years or something to be able to do that um but you know you try to do that on the cup side too but you know that that's kind of a uh, restricted plate shots are a a good place to do it so that's why we were you know really happy with the top 10 there but kind of knew that if we would have got back going maybe we would have a shot at a win so you got to look for those opportunities to pounce and be able to get that first win and you know you look at david reagan someone who has done it over here even at front row so the possibility is there you just have to have the stars line up and, and have the right execution and strategy to do it and I'm sure for different drivers you're obviously on the younger side but as they go through their career maybe their their ultimate goals change maybe at the start of their career it was I want to win a cup championship yeah. then it went to all right I want to win a cup race and I want to win an Xfinity championship yeah. Xfinity race have your goals changed as you've gone through the ranks and if so what are they now yeah they definitely have been you know last year at the end of last year through the playoffs, it was win a race. It, um, that was the number one goal. And we got close, just just didn't it just didn't fall our way sometimes. And so we had a lot of top five finishes, just didn't close out the deal. This year, it's uh, it's a bit different. You know, a top 15 for us, a legit top 15 finish for us on a, uh, a regular race, a non-plate track, um, would be a very big deal for us. That would be huge. So they absolutely do change because of who you're with and your equipment and, uh, and you know, just the situations you're given. So am I, am I going to sit here and say we're going to win the championship this year? No, we're not going to. But we can do things to build to, to try to get closer to the top 25 in points, to try to get closer in the rookie battle and even if we don't win the rookie of the year take the second half of the season and try to you know look back and see the point spread of the second half to the first half of us rookies in there so um and even that compared to our teammates there's things we can do with that so you just try to you know you, you try to be the best car you you can be within front row motorsports and hopefully then you look at the roush alliance too and see if you can be with the best car in there um but i think that's the goal week in a week out is to try to be as close as we can to our teammates at front row unloading, uh, which we've done that here today so far. And then through the weekend, can we be the best front row car? And then how do we take all three front row cars and make them you know, better and better? So it's uh, it's definitely, it changes all the time. It almost changes week to week too. Just once you get off the truck, you kind of know if it's going to be a good weekend or a bad weekend. Makes sense. I think that's a good place to end it. Good luck to your Browns this season. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I hope that uh, I hope that my Redskins and your Browns will maybe, maybe meet in the Super Bowl. That would be the ultimate underdog story be, of the 2000s. That would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird. Matt Tip, thanks so much, All man. right, thank you, man. 
Thank you to Matt Tiff for joining me this week on Victory Land and for his time a few weeks back at New Hampshire. Really enjoyed that conversation. Cool guy. Really cool guy. Let's look ahead to Road America for the Xfinity Series, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park for the Truck Series, and Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. I'm going to get to that in a second. For the K&M Pro Series East and West, the second of two combination events. So, Road America, the SeaTech Manufacturing 180, Saturday afternoon. Austin Sindrick will be the man to beat. Interesting stat out of Road America. We've had nine first-time winners at the race in nine races so far. You had Roush Fenway Racing, H. Scott Motorsports, RCR a few times, Jeremy Clements Racing in 2017, and Junior Motorsports. They've all visited Victory Lane at Road America. Then you go up to Canada at CTMP Motorsport, the Chevy Silverado 250. All I'll say is this. You do not want to be leading on the last lap at all costs. Please, if, if you want to put yourself in position to win, you want to be running second going into that last corner coming to the checkered flag. It seems like every single year there's an incident there, and that's one of the most entertaining races of the season. I'm excited to watch that. And here we go. The longest, most obnoxious race name in the history of the K&M Pro Series. The Monaco Cocktails Gateway Classic 125 presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. Should we do that over and so I can count the words? Let's do it. I'm by myself in a hotel room, so I don't care how stupid I look. Monaco Cocktails Gateway Classic 125 presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. Okay, I'm holding my microphone with my right hand and I counted with my left, so I think I lost track. I think that was 22. It was either 22 or 17. I lost how track how many. I think it's 22, though. Anyways, that race is on Saturday night. Um, hopefully, I won't be able or I won't need to say the name of that race and the venue of that race a lot because that is a mouthful. Here's what I'm looking for. You guys can check out the entire preview in the pit box on NASCARHomeTracks.com. The Sam and Chase rivalry is hot, hot, hot. I've had some conversations with Sam. I've had some conversations with Chase. All I will say is that you might want to tune in to the race and watch all the laps because there's no telling what will happen when those two cars are around each other. And I think it's safe to say at some point or another, they will be around each other. That's all I'm going to say. Trevor Huddleston, can he keep the momentum going? Don't look now, but he's second in the K&N West standings. He jumped Haley Deegan. Uh, he's 22 points behind Derek Krause. But look, Trevor's bringing this car that he won at Evergreen to Gateway. If he's able to run in the top five and Derek has an off night, he is right back in this championship hunt. But Derek Krause did win this race a year ago. Sam Mayer said that he's going to be his biggest competition this weekend, uh, as did Jagger Jones. He's looking to defend that victory and get back on in, in the winning side of things um, with the big boys and the big girls of the K&M Pro Series. So I'm looking forward to a great triple header weekend of racing. Who needs a cup off weekend when you got all these other series in action, right? Look, nuts of the week. Cue the music. Just want to touch real quickly on the Dale Earnhardt Jr. plane crash that occurred at Elizabethan Airport. Miraculously, somehow, someway, the good Lord let everybody walk away. Okay, that was just insane. The videos that were pouring out from there, and it happened 20 minutes for me when we were all at Bristol. It was, it was crazy. He still plans to race at Darlington. Said he's having some back pain still, but hopefully he will be a-okay for that. Ryan Hines, who is a brand coordinator for Xfinity Series content at Stuart Haas Racing, he was on the NASCAR on NBC podcast this week, and Nate Ryan kind of spotlighted 
his being in the NASCAR world as a gay man. And that hit me hard because one of my best friends is gay. And I have a lot of other friends as well that are on the LGBTQ in that world. And um, it's no secret that NASCAR is obviously a very, it's a sport that's rooted in Southern tradition. And when it comes to Southern tradition, you think of um, heteronormativity or whatever that word is. And people are not the biggest fans of homosexuality. Um, I'm not going to get into that conversation now, but let's just say that um, I've known Ryan for a little bit. I'm proud to call him a friend. And uh, I was proud for him for sharing his story. And it was really cool. And I think that if you guys listen to that, um, and some of the ideas that he maybe has, or even just ideas that he's kicked around, not that he wants to maybe implement, but I think it's a really eye-opening conversation, so I enjoyed that. Kyle Larson swept the events at Placerville Speedway this weekend at Dirt Track. Off weekend, no problem for Kyle Larson. He's still racing and winning. There were some rule changes announced this year for next year. The Xfinity Series field will be cut from 38 to 36. Cup drivers with three or more years of experience are now limited to five races. And in the truck series, the triple truck challenge rule um, with the different entry blanks and like when you can enter and when you cannot for the triple truck challenge, it's been changed. And I now call that the Greg Biffle rule. <laughs> uh, Mario Andretti is going to drive the pace car at the Charlotte Roval later on this season. That's pretty sweet. Penalties, Paul Wolf, Alan Gustafson, and Mike Bugaravich, crew chiefs on Brad Keselowski's 2, William Byron's 24, excuse me, not William Byron, Chase Elliott's 9, <laughs> and Clint Boyer's 14. They were all fined $10,000 apiece for loose lug nuts after Bristol. And Tyler Reddick was docked 10 driver and owner points for failing pre-race inspection at Bristol. Bailey Curry was also suspended indefinitely for violating the substance abuse policy. Dustin Albino from Front Stretch broke that news. A couple throwbacks for Darlington. Michael McDowell is honoring Jimmy Means. Corey LaJoy is running a Scooby-Doo mystery machine. I love that. Two more bits. Richard Childress resigned from his NRA board position. He gave the command along with a couple other people at Bristol. And Scott Speed, do you guys remember him? He was a NASCAR driver at one point, also in Formula One. He's recovering from a broken back that he suffered on a jump in a certain amount of vehicle in Utah. So hopefully he has a speedy recovery. And that, my friends, will wrap things up for episode 25 of Victory Lane 2.0. Do me a favor, please rate, review, subscribe to this show on iTunes. We're also on Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, anywhere that your podcasts are. I am most likely there. And I say I because this is a one-man band. I record everything. I prep for everything. I post everything. I promote everything. But any help is appreciated. And if you'd like to advertise with me, please shoot me an email, seagulldaby at gmail.com. All right. Well, now I'm going to press stop on this podcast. I'm going to edit it, hopefully post it before I have to head over to Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway for a go-karting event today. Hopefully see a little bit of St. Louis tonight. Hit up the Cardinals game. And tomorrow, we're going to have a great show with the K&M Pro Series East and West. And I'm going to be covering my first ever IndyCar race, the Bomberito 500. I'm excited for it. Hopefully you guys are too. I'll talk to you guys on the flip side next week.